0: Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Diving Board Podcast. I am your host, Jill. And thank you so much for joining me on another very important pop culture deep dive here on the deep end. I am so happy to be back in the deep end with all of the divers. So happy to be back in front of this microphone. I've missed you all so much. I hope you're all having an amazing new year. Happy 2024 to all of the divers. I'm so happy to be back. It's a new fresh year with so many possibilities for pop culture deep dive, so I'm so excited. Um, But I want to give just an apology for the delay in getting an episode out. I was having some technical difficulties. My MacBook just stopped charging, and I thought, oh, it's the charger, and I got a new one, and that didn't work. So I had to take it in to get fixed, and they were like, oh, your motherboards completely shorted out. And it reminded me of that episode of Sex and the City when Carrie's motherboard shorts out, and I got scared. I'm like, what does that mean? What do I do? And he's like we just have to replace the motherboard and i was like oh okay so they replaced the motherboard and it's running Good as new or as well as a nine-year-old computer can, but you know, I'm going to use this until the wheels fall off, until this computer just implodes. So it's been going great. I'm um, very, very happy with it. Shout out any Chicago divers who ever have a problem with their laptop. Shout out to Computer Zone USA on Belmont in the Lakeview neighborhood for my Chicago divers. They were amazing. They got it done really quickly, very fairly priced, and this is not sponsored. Concert, even though I wish it was because it was expensive. But like I said, very fairly priced and they did a really, really good job. So I definitely recommend that place. Um, but I'm really excited to be back because this is a pop culture deep dive that I've wanted to do for a little while now. And I actually put a poll on the diving board Instagram. I'm like, hey, if I do a deep dive on John and K 8, would, you, would everyone be into it? And I, it was 100% yes, which I always say, Found my people in the divers, so I was like, okay, we're gonna do it. People are interested in this. Cause I always like to get a gauge of what people are interested in, but it was an overwhelming response. So I was really, really happy to see it. So I'm like, yes, we're we are definitely diving in to John and Kate Plus 8 and the reality television pioneers that are John and Kate Gosselin. Um, it's interesting because I have been doing a rewatch for the last couple of weeks. They actually recently added or I don't even know if it was recent. I don't exercise nearly as much as I should, but I've been trying to change that. So I've been trying to ride the Peloton a lot more. And I noticed they added streaming on the Peloton. It was recent to me. It For the regular riders who are great, probably not that recent. But it, they added HBO Max, which has Discovery Plus, which has TLC. So I have been doing a complete rewatch of John and Kate Plus 8. And I told myself, you can only watch the show from the bike when you're exercising so i've been exercising a lot more because i want to watch the show and i have so much to say and there is a lot to get into in this episode so without further ado let's get into john and kate plus eight but of course it's the diving board podcast so we are going to take it from the very top we're actually going to go back to the 20th century 1997 great year and we're going to get in that time machine and it brings us to a company picnic Of John Goslin, who was working at a hotel and they invited him to this company picnic and we're just watching we're watching on the side but we see John and he's really excited and he said he was just excited to be invited to this company picnic because there's free food and that is always a motivator so he's he's excited to go. And there we see that he meets Kate. They uh, keep kind of exchanging glances, making eye contact, and Kate is really intrigued by John. Kate is a couple of years older than John. She's 21 and John is only 19 at the time. But they hit it off, they start talking, and soon they begin dating. And it really is, uh, moves fast. And they really, really like each other because in 1999, the couple gets married. John is 22 at the time and Kate is 24. So they're very, very young. Like, Can you imagine marrying who you were dating at 19 years old? I mean, I'm sure there's some people who marry their high school sweetheart, which is amazing. That If I married the person I was dating at 19, my life would be... Very, very different and not in a good way. So I it's just mind-boggling to me how young they were. But uh, the couple, they soon tried to start having children. But Kate, she's having difficulty getting pregnant. So they try IUI, which is interuterine insemination. And John said that this was a more affordable route than IVF. And his insurance at the time he was working in IT covered all of it. So they're like, let's let's try this. And one of the possibilities with IUI is that there is an increased potential of having multiples, and John and Kate had just that when they gave birth to their twin girls Maddie and Kara in 2001 so they were just over the moon excited they're like we have our two twin girls we're so excited and they still want to grow their family so they say, let's try one last time we just want one more and let's try to give the girls another sibling so they say again we just want one more we'll try and we'll see what happens well we know the one more didn't quite happen Kate actually goes for her ultrasound and they spring the news that there's actually seven embryos inside of her. And she's in complete shock. And they actually offer her, would you like us to, to terminate any of these embryos? And she's like, absolutely not. I want to give every single one of them a chance. Even though this is going to be an extremely difficult pregnancy and they say this is going to be very risky, she still says, no, I want to give everybody a chance at life, all of these embryos. And she actually loses one of the seven embryos. So six remain. And Kate or someone in Kate's circle, they actually contact a local journalist in Reading Pennsylvania, where they're from, and ask if they want to chronicle the story. And obviously, this is extremely rare. So they jump on that story right away and start documenting the pregnancy. And in 2004, the sex tablets are born three boys, three girls, Joel, Aiden, and Colin, Leah, Hannah, and Alexis. This was just a complete news frenzy because they. this is very, very rare. If you see those pictures of Kate pregnant, she is so far out. She has so many babies inside of her. And it's just, I give her so much credit because I can't imagine being pregnant with one baby. So six babies, it's just... That is absolutely incredible. But immediately, John and Kate, they realize they're going to need help with this situation. You know, they're not like, what was that crazy family, the Duggars, where they have all these kids? What was that, 19 kids and counting? Which I don't think there was any multiples. I think Michelle Duggar was pregnant 19 times, so she wanted to... um have all of those kids. They didn't plan to have all these kids, John and Kate. This was a massive curveball. I mean, Kate was pregnant twice and ended up with eight children, which is crazy to say out loud. And John had actually lost his job due to the pregnancy, and therefore he lost his insurance. So they're on Medicaid right now, and they're like, we we really need help. So their local church puts together a fund for them and promotes how um, people in the area can support. And this was Actually, really, really inspiring to me. Like, because this was an amazing show, just of community. It was just incredible, and it really reminded me just of the town um, that I grew up in. Because I remember, like, if anybody was in need the neighbors would help them. I remember in the summertime, my sister and I would always go to this one woman in our towns because she was on bed rest because she was pregnant. And we would go every single day in the summer to let her dog out and walk her dog and check on her. And I just feel like that's what you do. That's what we're supposed to do and just have that sense of community and help each other out. So this was amazing to see. And the church fund actually arranged um, 75 volunteers. They were coming around the clock for a Diaper changing—it was truly incredible. And there also was a home improvement show that had John and Kate on, and they helped renovate their house to get ready for the sextuplet. So they were getting a lot of support from the community and the country. And the church actually puts in the local newspaper ways to donate to the family, and they're getting a lot of help um, from the community. And that's what I'm saying. I still think. I know it was tempting to do this show because it offered them a lot more money than what they would have made if they just kind of kept their regular jobs. But I still think that the family would have been okay. Their basic needs would have been met because there was so much support. People were sending in diapers, food, clothes. And I still think as the Sex um, sextuplets and the twins grew up, there still would have been a lot of help from the community. I'm confident that that would have happened because it seems like they were in a really nice town who did want to help them. And even though they were receiving this help, they still needed more money. They were still scraping by. So when Discovery Health contacted them for a documentary, they were open to the offer because they saw it as a way to earn some money and also increase their visibility. So it was called Surviving Sex Toplets and Twins, and this chronicled the twins being babies and also the really young girls, Maddie and Kara. And it turned out to be the highest rated documentary ever on Discovery Health. This documentary, when I tell you that this was on all the time, it was almost every single day i have probably seen this documentary maybe three or four times because you know back then before streaming and everything you're just flipping through the channels and you're like okay this is moderately interesting i'll watch it again it was i was just always on and i just i remember watching it like with my parents watching it with my sister watching it alone it was just it was always on so about a year went by and discovery health reached out to do a follow up documentary and this one had even higher ratings than the original so Discovery Health is like, we. this is this is a great opportunity. People are clearly so interested in this family. So they pitch a full blown reality show. And Kate is, I mean, she's gung ho on the idea. Even though reality television is in its infancy, she's down. She's like, let's get the cameras in. Let's get this cash flow going. John is a little trepidatious. He's like, what's a reality show? Like I'm saying, like this is 2006. It, it, they didn't have all these reality shows back then. So, even though John doesn't really know what the concept is, they're like, let's dive in. And on January 30th, 2007, John and Kate plus eight is born. And this show was really the first of its kind. I mean, like I said, reality television was still very much in its infancy. And there really wasn't that many shows following families. Of course, you know, we had the Osborns, but that was a celebrity family. And Jack and Kelly, they were more grown. They were in their teenage years. And this was really following a normal Average family that has just an extraordinary situation and see how they're going to raise all of these children. And it's funny because K- John and Kate were really the original family vloggers in a way. Like we didn't see anything of this kind. Like, of course, they weren't vlogging with their own cameras, but this was the first time we've ever seen everyday life of just a family and how they're raising their kids. So they launched all of these crazy vloggers we see on YouTube today, so... (laughs) Ooh. <laughs> is that a blessing or a curse? Uh, you be the judge. Let's uh, continue more with the episode and then you'll decide. Um, but the show uh, immediately resonates with people. You know, first, the kids are adorable and it's fun to see them interact with each other. And I like watching it because especially if you come from a big family, I'm one of four kids and we're all um, two years apart. So I grew up with a lot of kids running around and kind of just that chaos and of the, the yelling laughing fighting just that fun circus of having a lot of kids in the house so that's why i liked to watch it even like with this rewatch it just reminded me a lot of how i grew up if you grew up with a lot of kids all around it, it really was fun and nostalgic just that like i said complete circus but a really really fun time um, it was also fun to see how Kara and Maddie were really like mini Kates and how they really helped to take care of the little ones as well. It was very sweet and Maddie especially was very sassy and just really, really funny. And I think um, if you're an older sibling, you can definitely relate to that of taking care of your younger sibling. So it's it's fun to watch from that kind of perspective because it definitely takes you back to that time. And it's also incredibly fascinating to just see the immaculately well-oiled machine that is Kate Goslin Like, I could not look away from this. That woman has a level of organization that I could only dream of. I have never seen anything like this, like the way she has all of their schedules All of their routines, how she perfectly grocery shops, keeps everything pristine. All of the kids look perfectly groomed. And for 10 people in that house, the house was always so clean. It's mind boggling. Like, I just don't know how this woman does it. She's so organized and she's so good at it. But it also comes into play how rigid she is. But it really is so impressive to see how she does it with these eight kids like she almost makes it look easy in a way when you know this would be incredibly difficult but Her being so rigid definitely develops that good cop, bad cop trope with John. I mean, she was the drill sergeant with the kids, and John was more of a lackadaisical fun parent who was always playing with the kids, and the kids let her know that. Like, they would flat out say to her, I like Daddy better, (laughs) and she would kind of just take it. Like, I think she honestly understood why they liked John better than her. But like I said, it was that good cop, bad cop, and you kind of saw who you who you rooted for did you root for John or did you root for Kate and I think that's what the viewers resonated most with was the John and Kate dynamic because here we have this really young couple I just want to reiterate John is 29 years old and has eight children six of them being babies like he's 29 i'm 32 and i know everyone matures differently and 32 is a totally encouraged age to have a child at but if i'm if i were to get pregnant tomorrow I'm still convinced that at 32 years old, if I were to get pregnant, I would have an email in my inbox from MTV saying, are you interested in being on the next season of Teen Mom? I, I still think that. Like I am not ready by any means. So I give John so much credit, and Kate, she's 31. That is beyond, that they have all of these children. So It's very fascinating, and we love seeing that dynamic because, like I said, here's this young couple who have been dealt this absolutely crazy hand with eight children. And they're just, they're making it work. They're doing what the rest of us would do. They're just doing the best they can. I mean, they're stressed, they're bickering, but they're really just trying to make it all happen. And like I said, do their best. And it seems very, very real and honestly, very relatable. And it just made you root for them because you wanted to see them succeed in growing this family or raising this family. It, it's grown far enough. But raising this family and um, just seeing the kids, it was a really, really nice show to watch. But after the success of the show on Discovery Health, they decide to shift the show to their kind of more watched channel, TLC, The Learning Channel, because they're trying to shift programming from their prior shows. Do you remember TLC back in the day? It was like Trading Spaces, A Baby Story. I used to watch A Baby Story all the time like why was 10 year old me watching a baby story that's probably why i'm so terrified to have a kid (laughs) like because i watched so much of the baby story as a kid like why was i watching that um but they also had my personal favorite what not to wear Shout out to Clinton and Stacy! Oh, my gosh, my icons. Um, but these shows, that was old TLC. It's definitely not the insanity that TLC is today. And they wanted to kind of build what TLC is today. This, again, is the infancy um, stages of that network. So they were like, we want to show more familial situations that are not the norm. So they were looking for shows like that. So this is where we had John and Kate Plus 8, 19 Kids and Counting. Yikes, that story is insane. And Little People, Big World, which I was absolutely obsessed with, absolutely obsessed with in high school. And my family and I still talk about that show. And my mom is more of the TLC girly because she loves 90 Day Fiance, which I do too. There's just so many seasons now I cannot keep up. But my mom follows every 90 Day Fiance and Sister Wives, which is another family situation, which is different because they were polygamous. So that definitely was TLC, which I also still love Sister Wives. That is one of my favorite guilty pleasure shows. I feel like that is what TLC is now. It's just guilty pleasure shows. So once the show was moved to TLC, this is when things really started just absolutely exploding, and it became more of just a phenomenon, because it became TLC's highest rating show ever, and the money just came rolling in. So they were making, at this time, $22,500 an episode and to put that into perspective there are 28 episodes in season 3 alone so that is $630,000 That they had as a payday for that season for the goslins So John also said their travel was paid for. They went on a few trips on the show. They went to Disney World, etc., and all of that is paid for. And that's not counting endorsements. That's not counting public um, appearances that they're getting paid for. So they're really making a lot of money, and they're making a lot more money than they would have if they didn't do the show and kept their regular jobs. Because I I should say, John worked in IT, and Kate was a nurse. So those jobs are not bringing in $630,000 on top of everything else they were getting paid for. So by season four, John and Kate, they were realizing how big of a joggernaut their family had actually become. And so is TLC. TLC is realizing this as well. So they order 39 more episodes for season four. And there are no shows that have this amount of episodes in a season. I remember like when I was on the Peloton and I was looking um, for which episodes to watch, like I just kept scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and I was like, wait, this is still the same season? There are so many episodes. So with that same, I'm sure their pay got raised, but the figure I could find was that um, 22,500 rates. So, so times that by 39, that is 877,000 payday for season four, and I'm sure it was even more. I'm sure they raised their per episode rate for season four. But Kate also sees more opportunities to really capitalize on this and strike when the iron is hot. So she publishes the book Multiple Blessings in 2008, and that quickly becomes a New York Times bestseller. So she starts touring the book, Kate is really kind of going all over the country promoting this book and they'll show these book signings like they are packed with people. The line will wrap all around the bookstore. This was really, really a big deal back then the people who followed them back then you guys remember this was this was really really serious they were very very popular so you see on the show there are times when kate is out touring the book and uh, john is at home john's a stay-at-home dad watching the kids and kate's really starting to build the brand and build the empire that is the goslin family And big money really starts coming in, not only from the show, but the book, the appearances, the endorsement deals, and they're they're really raking it in at this point. Like the Brinks truck is pulling up to their house and just unloading. Like they have so much money. So they move in to their new home that's on 23 acres, six bedrooms, seven bathrooms. They purchase it. It's in Warnersville, Pennsylvania, and they purchase it for a little over a million dollars. And in season four, this is where Kate reveals what I call the housewives makeover. You know, when you watch the real housewives, you'll see the housewives in their first season and they're pretty, they look great. But they're not as complete bombshell glam as the other Housewives. And you can see after they get a season under their belts and they've been watching themselves on television and they've been picking themselves apart and think, I should get this tweaked or a nip here, tuck here, and they come back, they might have new teeth, they have extensions in their hair, they're a lot tanner, they've got the eyelashes. That's what I like to think of as the Housewives makeover. It's always their second season after they've got a little more money under their belt to really, really amp up their appearance. And Kate does this. Kate trailblazes the Housewives makeover because in season four, there is a, a very different look. She's a lot tanner. She has a lot better clothing. She's always in kind of these short skirts. She's always in sky-high um, heels that she wears, even when they're going... When they had those two puppies that they wound up giving away rather quickly, they go to pick them up at the farm, and Kate's, like, in sky-high heels. And she's she's very, very glam. And there's one thing that's aesthetically very noticeable and a very big time stamp of this time period and that is the haircut this was a very very iconic haircut and still continues to be iconic for many different ways now but she debuts this haircut and it was kind of like the Rachel, you know, Jennifer Aniston, when she had the Rachel haircut, that was the phenomenon. This became the Kate's and it was um, the haircut. I'm sorry for laughing. Okay. I I was riding the bike and I was just staring at it, like completely focused on it. That haircut is insane. Like, haircut its absolutely insane. Like it's spiked up really short in the back, like completely spiked up, porcupine. But then she's got half of it long on one side and the other side is cut short. And it's about chin length cut on kind of side swipes on one side with these chunky highlights. And <laughs> it is Flock of Seagulls. Realness and it's just, it's absurd. Like I said, like I am transfixed by that haircut and it's just, it's insane. But this launched, everybody had that haircut back then. It was just everyone just had it. I remember it just took over everything. And in the recent years, it has definitely been the blueprint for the Karen aesthetic. You know, this is definitely the I want to see the manager haircut. And um, it definitely fits Kate's personality. So, you know, Kate's personality combined with the haircut, like I said, she really was the blueprint for the Karen. And Kate is the mother of all Karens. Like, she doesn't want to see the manager. The manager wants to see her. It is. She really, like I said, is the blueprint. But that haircut like i said that was a phenomenon back then and i remember back then in the john and kate heyday and this is when you know you've made it there were wigs being sold of kate's haircut because everybody wanted to dress up as john and kate plus eight and that haircut was so distinct that you could dress up as hers um, for halloween and people would know exactly who it was that's when you know you've reached a complete level of fame that's like otherworldly and it, that like i said it was a phenomenon but let's go back to that haircut's insane. I'm sorry. But let's go back to season four with um, 39 episodes. That is such a grueling filming schedule to get that much content. Like I said, there are no shows that have that many episodes in a season. Like if you think of the Housewives, I'm sorry, that's I'm a Housewives aficionado. I know I always go back to them. But if you think, but if you think of the Housewives, you usually get around 15 episodes, 18 if it's a really hard home run season, but around 15 or 16 is the standard of the season. So 39 is insane. I remember Andy Cohen saying, the ratio of filming for Housewives is 85 hours of filming to one 45-minute episode. So can you imagine, I mean, these episodes of John and Kate plus eight are like 22 minutes, but still, like, could you imagine how much Filming has to go in for 39 episodes. That really kind of gives you perspective to how often cameras were in these kids' faces. It's just beyond. John said in February of 2008, that entire month, they filmed every single day, but two days that month. It's just... How? I don't know how you do that with little kids. Like, they have to be on, they're filming, all these people are in their house, there's cameras in their bedroom, there's cameras on their ceilings, like, I just... It's crazy to think about how these young children, they don't know any reality but having a camera in their face and always having to perform. And it just goes back to the Macaulay Culkin episode we did um, a couple Christmases ago with him working around the clock. And nobody really thought anything of it, especially his parents, because they thought, here's our cash cow. Um, but I think that was more regulated because he was on film sets. But with reality television, people viewed it differently. It's like, oh, they don't have to act. It's just cameras in their face. And this goes back to those family vloggers. Like, what is the protocol with that? Because a lot of it is so creepy to me like they're following around these kids they're following around their family outings and i just don't know what's being regulated it reminds me of and i don't watch them but i saw this this was in 2020 this was kind of a controversy controversy it was um the ace family And there was a clip that the wife, I think her name's Catherine McBroom. I know they just filed for divorce, which is not surprising. But there was this clip of this vlog that Catherine McBroom accidentally, they said accidentally left in their vlog. And it was them kind of like saying hi to the camera, like, hi, Ace family. Hey, Ace family. And Austin McBroom, the husband, sees that his hair's messed up in the in the lens, and he's like, My hair's effed up. Like, I'm not gonna film if my hair effed up and yells at her and she is like dear in the headlights like oh my gosh and then she's like okay let's redo it over one two three and the family goes hey ace family and the little girl she's maybe four years old she's able to turn it on again after just seeing her dad snap at her mom and she knows like okay take it from the top let's go back and do this intro And it's just creepy. It's creepy to see these kids and how they're programmed to be on like that in these vlogs. And like I said, I don't know what the protocol is with that, because who's watching the money? Because like at least with Macaulay Culkin, there were contracts that the money went to him. But I feel like with these family vloggers, it's up to the parents to manage this and it seems like a lot of those YouTubers don't spend their money very well, and like these kids are going to grow up and be 18 years old and be like, where's the money? Because I helped make it, but I didn't help blow it, like these parents clearly are doing. So it's creepy. Those family vloggers, I, I don't know. I have a weird vibe with them. I'm sorry if you enjoy watching them. They just kind of give me the creeps, but... Let's go back to season four, John and Kate Plus 8. Um, we've really cemented the true dynamic of John and Kate, and it's that Kate is in charge and she likes to put John down. Now, I tried to go in with essentially fresh eyes when I watched the show because I haven't seen the show in 15 years plus. Oh my gosh, so much time. But I wanted to keep an open mind because I know a lot of people come down on Kate and I tried to look at it because I always knew she was irritating. But I tried to be like, okay, how bad was she? Because I know sometimes in society, and we talk about this in the Martha Stewart episode, that like if a woman isn't like bubbly and really smiley, society tends not to like her or root for her. So I'm like, is it that the case? Or is there something else? So, like I said, I wanted to keep a good perspective and a fresh mind. And I'll admit there were parts of the show where I'd be annoyed for Kate because she's really trying to keep the routine. She's trying to keep everything in order. Like I said, she's very organized and get everything done. And John is kind of like poking around. He doesn't know which way's up. And he's always just doesn't know what he's doing. And Kate always has to delegate to him for what to do. John cannot like observe a situation and understand like, okay, what should be done? Okay, Kate's setting plates out. Maybe I should help serve the lunch. Maybe I should do this. Like Kate has to flat out tell him everything that needs to be done. And I understand that. That would be irritating. So I I will give her that. I understand sometimes when she'd be irritated with John. Moments where John is just completely in his own world. And that's when you're reminded, this is a 29-year-old guy. Like, he's just in his own world, on his own planet. And one of my favorite moments is when the girls get these Razor scooters and they go out to ride them in the street and John has these rollerblades on and he gets on those rollerblades and he is out there riding so fast he blades away so fast he's like those kids at skate night who are really really good and they're just shredding the skating rink and i am just lucky to be holding on to that wall like he was flying and kate is screaming
1: john
0: john you can't He's screaming at him. She's like, you're their dad, watch them. But he's in his own world, blading down the street. He's probably thinking jailbreak, like the warden left the gate open. Let's get the hell out of here. <laughs> it's like, and she is screaming, John, and just got to him riding those rollerblades on out of there. So like, those are those things where it would be difficult with John, where I can see where she kind of snaps him back into reality. But even when John is quote unquote good, he still he cannot win with Kate because the entire theme of the show is her berating him. And I dislike and I dislike when people say that Kate is a quote alpha female because of this and that she really was putting john down like i don't i don't think this is her being an alpha female because an alpha female is a good thing it's a woman who wants to be in a position of power um kate wasn't being an alpha female in these situations though she was just being mean like she was just flat out being mean like for one kate has no qualms about having outbursts or berating John in public like there was this one time at the Crayola factory where she needed him and he's across the store and she just goes John John like screams in front of everyone I'm like she has no shame and she's yelling at him um like I said across the entire store when they're at the pumpkin patch when they're at the airports and the most iconic one at the Toys R Us, which I will insert right here.
1: I had the girls, so she told me to stay. What's that? So I found this big bin of toys and I'm playing with Leah and showing her all these different animals. And then she's like, come here, come here, come here.
0: Hello, I need your help.
1: Go to 11. No, I
0: can't. Would you come here? Because you need to stop playing toys and come help. You stand here, I have to go ahead playing with toys instead of doing his job.
1: Everyone looked, and I got embarrassed. So I went up to the front, and I stayed where she told me to stay. Then she went down to the aisle 14 or whatever it was, and started to check out. So I'm standing with two carts in, you know, no man's land up in the aisle. She's down checking out the girl's stuff.
0: I was stressed. I didn't I'm want to see ba- it.
1: That's fine. I'm playing with the babies, and then I hear,
0: Hello!
1: We're over here. You told me to stay here. Come.
0: So this... This clip is insane because she is screaming across the entire store. And what you don't see is that there is an older gentleman who just stops dead in his tracks and watches this entire thing go down. And he is just, he cannot look away of this car crash. And like I related to him so much. I probably would be a little um, more subtle. I'd probably be hiding behind a display just with my head peeked around (laughs) But like this entire store is watching this and Kate doesn't think anything of it but you know she um and she doesn't think anything of it and I think Like, a lot of us could relate to knowing a couple who fights in public. And it is so awkward when you're sitting there and you're like, do I acknowledge this? Do I laugh? Do I just... It's so awkward when a couple you know is fighting in front of you. And it's just... I. Kate has absolutely no qualms. Kate is definitely the wife who is no shame about fighting with her husband right in front of you and making your entire experience extremely awkward and she even says because and john will bring that up in confessional he'll be like why are you yelling at me across the store like you do this all the time and she says when was the last time i did that i haven't done that in the recent days and he's like uh, no, you, you haven't done that in the recent days because you've been gone the last few days. <laughs> and it's like, oh my God. And <laughs> this show, <laughs> this show is actually so funny when I'm talking about it. Because there's even this one scene, and this is, isn't even on my notes, there's this one scene where she is berating him so badly, but like dressing the kids. And he even turns to her and he goes, hey, Kate, When are you gonna take the stick out? (laughs) Kate, when are you gonna pull the stick out?
1: Because it's getting really annoying. I didn't hold my tongue. I just said what was on my mind.
0: Literally, when are you going to take the stick out? And I think that is what America was all of America was thinking. Kate, when are you going to take the stick out? This show is so funny now that I'm talking about it. Um, But it's the little things that Kate does that truly kind of contributes to the deterioration of this marriage. It's kind of like a wave hitting against a wall over and over. Like one hits... One wave isn't going to deteriorate it, but after you do it over and over, it's going to erode. Because she's constantly picking at him for his weight, what he wears, the way he breathes. And I'll insert that. I'm sorry, can you stop breathing so loud, honey? He's like, (laughs) breathe quietly. It's insane. Or there was one um, situation when he was like, oh... I think they met like the head of marketing for the Phillies. And he's like, oh, yeah, we related to him right away because he has kids our age. And she was like, he doesn't have kids our age. He has kids who are the same ages as our kids. And it's like, Kate, we got it. Like, we understood what John meant. OK, like we we get it. Like, it's just little things like that. And there's so many examples that she just can't let it go. She picks every single battle with him and honestly by mid-season four john said he was done like he was over filming he didn't want to continue with the show and you can kind of tell in um certain episodes he's not giving in to kate's demands anymore because for the first few seasons she would pick on him and he would kind of laugh and i think that's why the viewer thought that this was more of the comedic relief like oh we're just making a joke but after so many times we realized like, These jokes are all at John's expense. And that grows tired after a while. So, like I said, you can tell in certain episodes that John is not laughing anymore. There's one episode where he doesn't use a coupon for something and Kate has an absolute meltdown. And he doesn't even acknowledge it. He's like, I'm not even feeding into it. This is annoying. But you can see that TLC wanted to push on. And even though John said, I don't want to do this anymore, like I'm over it. I am checked out of filming this season. They're like, you're under contract and you need to keep going. And they even fly at the end of season four, the entire family out to Hawaii to film a vow renewal with John and Kate, which John said, he's like, I don't even want to do this. Like, I we're not in a good spot in our relationship. Like we're pretty much on the verge of separation. I don't want to do a vow renewal and if anyone knows anything about pop culture you know the vow renewal that is the kiss of death i really don't know anyone especially with the real housewives who's done a vow renewal and stayed together or think about heidi klum and seal they used to do a vow renewal every single year it's the kiss of death i swear so the exact details of this separation they're murky they're murky at best it's interesting when you're doing research for something you see how people change their story because i have watched pretty much every john goslin interview that there is and since i'm watching them in succession i can see I'm like, okay, you change your story here. This is a different story. This doesn't make sense. Like, I think when years pass by, people don't notice. But the stories do change when you watch these interviews. So like I said, it's it's murky because the stories keep changing. But John has said that he wanted to separate in certain interviews because he was over it and he wanted out. He didn't like how Kate had become so enthralled with the show. He was just done. But then there's other interviews where he'll say that Kate wanted the divorce and totally blindsided him and that Kate wanted a divorce because she was having an affair with her bodyguard. Remember the bodyguard affair uh, scandal? And this is something that she has denied for years, but honestly, who knows? But Kate will say that she did not want this. She's like, this is not something that I'm fond of. I'm not crazy about this. But John has wanted this for, quote, a really long time. So she's just going with it. But the stories change a lot. And it's hard to to keep up. Like I said, when I'm doing research with these people, it's you definitely see how things switch in the media. Millions of viewers are tuning in to season four, of John and K Eight. Millions. they average around 4 million viewers an episode. And like I said, this is a lot for like a 20 minute reality show 4 million viewers is a lot. This was very, very popular. So people are watching this very, very happy family. It's all good. But behind the scenes, everything was coming undone. So season four wraps up in March of 2009, and in April of 2009, a bombshell photo of John Goslin is released. And it is not since Bimbo Summit, you know, the picture with Paris, Lindsay and Brittany, that a photo of people in a car have made this many waves because it's a photo of John Goslin in a car with a young woman who we later learn is a 23 year old teacher named Deanna Hummel. And they are leaving a bar in their town called Legends very, very late at night. And let me tell you, this was absolutely earth shattering information when this photo was leaked. I have a colleague who works at a major tabloid, and they told me that this was one of the biggest downfalls they have ever seen in pop culture because, like, just we see this complete happy family with these eight kids, and we're all so enthralled, and then splashed on the cover of every tabloid is him with another woman right after their most successful season wraps. It's pretty crazy. So apparently this quote affair started in January of 2009. So John becomes the public enemy. But what people didn't know was, according to John, is that this wasn't an affair because him and Kate had been separated for months. And he also says that he never had a relationship with this woman or any woman before he became officially divorced. And I mean, I think it's pretty obvious he was like, we can we can finally admit it 15 years later, John. But Perhaps Kate was as well, because the thing was, she had TLCPR on her side because Kate still wanted to film and Kate still wanted to feed in to the cash cow that was John and Kate Plus Eight. And of course, she had the big um, network on her side. So maybe they were able to cover this up rather well if that was actually happening. I mean, We've heard the bodyguard story for so long. Who knows if it's actually true? I mean, it could be. Uh, I mean, John still says it is true, even to this day. So who knows? I mean, not saying that John Goslin is the word of God, but so long later, he still maintains that this happened. But season five premieres to double the viewership they had in season four, because there's a scandal. And we left these people a few months ago thinking, you know, they're all hunky dory and happy but a lot has transpired in the last couple of months. So 10 million viewers tune in to see them at the, the sextuplets' fifth birthday party. And gosh, TLC turned this around so quickly because the sextuplets' birthday is May 10th, and season five premiered May 15th. So they filmed it, edited it, everything in two weeks. You know they were working round the clock. And when you watch this episode, it's really sad. And I remember this very vividly. It's a core memory for me that I really remember this episode. And the last time I watched it was in 2009 and you know Kate is clearly holding it down at this birthday party like she's trying to make it work for the kids she's got the magician you know the bunny the bounce house everything like they she's really trying to make a nice party for them and then John is just kind of like in the foreground you see him kind of out there eating a slice of cake kind of just in the background drinking a pop it's he's not really into it. You can tell he's very uncomfortable and they're just trying to kind of coexist. And it's kind of that awkward, like, you know, they're asking each other questions, but it's very, very blunt. Like they're trying to be cordial. And that's such an awkward position to be in when you were married and now you have to be cordial. I mean, I've been there. Well, I've never been married, but I know when you have a relationship with someone and then you have to be, um, cordial with them. It's very awkward. This episode was huge. Like I said, it was almost 11 million viewers tuned into this. So a lot of people were watching. And I vividly remember at this time, I had just graduated high school and I was working as a camp counselor. And I remember when this episode aired the next day, I my group was always like the preteen girls that I had to um, watch. It was like 11 12 year old girls and they all wanted to discuss this episode of john and k plus eight. So we were all just kind of sitting there looking back. I'm like, I can't believe I got paid to just sit and talk to these girls, (laughs) Um, just gossip about celebrities. Like it was so fun. And I just remember sitting with them and they all had their own prerogative about the situation. And we were just chit chatting. And that just goes to show how many people were watching this. And it's so fun thinking about it. Those girls are 27 now, which is I'll cry about that later. Oh my goodness. But it was like I said, everyone was watching it and it was really, really a crazy time. But Kate says in the premiere, we don't know where the show will go from here. But all I know is the show must go on. And that kind of gives me pause because it's like, why does the show must go on because she's not talking about like her family or life because yes life will throw you the curveball and very much the show must go on you have to soldier on but she's not talking about that she's talking about john and k plus eight she's talking about how the show must go on but why why does the show must go on like you, you can very, you've had five seasons of it. It's it's okay to end this. I mean, you're going through a divorce. It just was strange that that was kind of where she was coming from. But one of the other versions of the story that John has said, like I said, there's been many versions of stories that John has shared, is that Kate wanted a divorce because John refused to film. And this really infuriated Kate because she wanted to keep this gravy train going. There was no signs of stopping. And John wanted to pull the plug on the show. And the kids are half his. So he's like, I don't want my kids on the show. I don't want to do this. And he cites his main reason being that the kids are overworked and he doesn't want them on TV. He's like, we can still have a chance of them having a regular childhood. This is way too much. And this has become such a media firestorm. It spiraled completely out of control. Like, even on season five at their birthday party in rural Pennsylvania, there's paparazzi staged out by the park that they have their birthday party in. And Kate has to apologize to the friends, moms, and everything because here's a bunch of random people taking pictures of all the kids. It was insane. So I'm sure anyone who's followed this back then, you know they were on the cover of every single tabloid. It was just crazy, and he wanted to end this before it got even worse. And John is getting support from Kate's family as well, because her brother and sister-in-law, who we see on the show, they actually go public and they say the kids are working way too hard between season three and four they have filmed over 80 episodes which is insane and that there's cameras in the kids bedroom kate is seeing these children as a commodity rather than children and there was actually um, a labor investigation launched to look into these children's working conditions but nothing really comes of it. It's so hard to say um, when, you know, maybe the cameras weren't there that day. How do we know if the kids are working so much? It's nothing really comes from that investigation. So John actually threatens them while they're filming season five. He's like, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm over it. And John claims that Kate recruits none other than Dr. Phil to have a sit down meeting with them, to just say, please finish filming season five, let's pretend we're married, And let's just as long as we can pretend we're married on the show, you can do whatever you want on the side. You can see any woman you want, but just pretend you're my husband and let's get through this. And John's like, no, I don't want to do that. He claims that TLC even offered him two point one million dollars to continue filming season five. And according to John, he completely turned that down. So you can see, though, on season five like he's definitely checked out, like they'll be doing things as a family. And John's like, off in I think like Salt Lake City snowboarding. Like he's he's definitely not um, in with the family as he was in other seasons. He's very much checked out. And that's what John said. He's like, I wanted to film it with us as a separated couple. But TLC's like, no, the, the show is John and Kate Plus 8. We're not going for that. So he turns down TLC's offer and they were so worried about losing their cash cow. Because according to John, he said they were making $186 million a quarter Profit on the show, TLC was. In another interview, he said it was 86 million. Like I said, it's really hard doing research sometimes with this because, again, people's stories change. But regardless, that is a ton of money, whether it's 186 million or 86 million that the network is making. So they don't want to lose this. But after the premiere of season five, Kate officially, legally files for divorce in June of 2009. And that is when the summer of 2009 starts, the endless summer, and John enters his party girl era. I remember this (laughs) so vividly. And he starts dating 23-year-old Haley Glassman, who, get this, Haley Glassman is the daughter of the surgeon who did Kate's tummy tuck. I didn't know this back then. Like, isn't that insane? <laughs> like, It's just this the layers of this is beyond. So he moves out of their family home in Pennsylvania and he starts shopping around for an apartment quite far from where he lives. He goes to New York City. So, you know, he's a city girl. He's Mary Tyler Moore spinning around in the middle of the city, throwing his hat up in the air, living his life. And he soon starts looking for a new bachelor pad. And he there's reports he's looking at two-bedroom apartments in Trump Place, which is a very expensive building on the Upper West Side. So he's got money now, and he's going luxury. He wants a luxury apartment, but... John, uh, two bedrooms is a choice for someone with eight kids. I don't think uh, Kara and Maddie are coming to visit anytime soon. But, you know, throughout this summer, John is seen on these boats. He's in Vegas with his, you know, shirt buttoned down. So far, you could see his chest. He's got Good Lord. He's got gel in his hair. His ears are now pierced. He's traveling all over the world with his new girlfriend. And he said he was spending money like there was no tomorrow. He's like, I was spending money like I was going to die tomorrow. But he was like, I was making so much money that it just kept replenishing. So he just kept spending. And John, during this era, he's definitely sporting a certain 2000s aesthetic, And um, that I'm sure we're all familiar with. And he's contacted by a designer he's quite fond of. And that is none other than the ultimate 2000s relic, Christian Audigé, a.k.a. the visionary and designer behind Ed Hardy. Do you remember Ed Hardy? I've been trying for the last fifteen years to forget, but John was sporting a lot of Ed Ed Hardy. So this is a motley crew with those two together, and Christian is uh, quickly flying John to Saint Tropez, and they're living the high life. They're they're in talks of creating a children's clothing line together, and they're becoming the ultimate tragic two thousands duo. But soon. As you could probably imagine, this starts to tank because sales start dropping of Ed Hardy as soon as John gets involved with Christian Audigier. So Christian gets very upset because the Ed Hardy sales, he's like, well, the only reason that they could be tanking is because I'm talking to John Gosselin. He He's like the, he publicly tanked my brand and he's publicly saying that he wants John Gosselin to stop wearing Ed Hardy. But Christian, I think we need to take some personal responsibility that maybe your clothes sucked and people were finally realizing that they sucked and I know this was the time before influencers so Maybe we didn't know who was good for our brands yet, but you're the designer, you're the visionary, and I don't think anyone ever thought John Goslin was the coolest guy in the world. I don't think anyone ever thought John Goslin was the coolest guy in the room. So <laughs> like, dude, like, come on. I think you just, you need to accept, you got to take the L on this one. It reminds me of that situation with Mike, the situation, and when he was wearing Abercrombie and Fitch on Jersey Shore, and supposedly Abercrombie offered to pay him $10,000 to stop wearing Abercrombie and Fitch on the show, but he denies it. And I still want to know if that was true. And it's funny because um, at my job in my office, they brought in Fran Horowitz, who is the CEO of Abercrombie & Fitch. She came in to talk to like our women in business employee resource group, which was great. Fran is amazing. So she came to talk to us. And when they opened the floor for questions, I so badly wanted to ask if it was true if Abercrombie & Fitch had asked Mike the situation to not wear their clothing. Like, please set the record straight. but. Fran wasn't the CEO at the time, so she wouldn't even know. But I'm sure I would get kicked out like there is the door. Get the hell out of this meeting. <laughs> but, you know, no matter what it is, pop culture is just always on the top of my mind. I have to know, but still very curious. So it was definitely that type of situation where Christian was like, you need to stop wearing the clothes. But I think John still hung on to them for a little bit. But back to John and John is really picking. It's like he has a bowl filled with like names of the tackiest people of the 2000s. And he's just like shaking it up and putting his hand in and pulling out a piece of paper and choosing his friends Um, because he picks probably one of the slimiest people of the 2000s to be in cahoots with because he starts a friendship with none other than Michael Lohan. (laughs) I'm sure you didn't see that one coming. Because, I mean, my goodness, it all goes back to our girl, Lindsay Lohan. But Michael says that his girlfriend is um, friends with, actually, John's new girlfriend. Her name is Katie Major. And his girlfriend is friends with Katie. So they actually invite John and Katie out to their home in the Hamptons to escape the paparazzi. Because the paparazzi don't really go out to the Hamptons. It's kind of like a sacred time. You don't see many pictures of celebrities in the Hamptons. But um, So they go to escape the paparazzi because it's obviously they are following John around a lot. So Michael extends this favor and he wants to take this opportunity of hiding out from the paparazzi to discuss a business adventure that he wants to join John with called the Divorced Dads Club. It was a show that they wanted to pitch called the Divorced Dads Club. Could you imagine that dumpster fire? Like that would be... <laughs> Like the train wreck that that show would be. I kind of wish it actually was picked up. Um, But they get pretty serious about this show, but it fails. Um, to come to fruition, because John has actually signed an exclusivity contract with TLC. So that kind of sparks Michael and John's feud, because Michael was all in on this project, and then he finds out that John is actually under contract with TLC, and they can't go through with this. So that's, should I do a celebrity feud episode on John Goslin and Michael Lohan's feud? I mean, there's not really much to say, but it's so fascinating to me that Out of all the celebrity feuds, those two come into play. Um, But it's interesting because back then, I mean, I was much younger. So I always thought, like, what is someone's dad out there doing, like, partying? Like, this is so embarrassing. But I realize now, like, John was still very young. He's only 32 at this time, and he got married at 22. So he never really had that phase in his life of his 20s. So he's kind of living this phase in his life now but it's funny because one of the reporters was like you know if you look at your actions this is textbook midlife crisis and john's like um i'm only 32 years old and the reporter you could tell was like shook cuz i think because they had eight children everyone just viewed them as so much older and he's like oh oh uh Oh, okay. The reporter's like, well, you're only th- you're only 32? Like, <laughs> it's very, very awkward. But it's funny. They were saying John was going through a midlife crisis when he really wasn't. He just never had his 20s because he got married so young. But people are really piling on this media circus. And, you know, the nanny, their nanny is coming out and saying she had an affair with John. More women are coming out of the woodwork. And I'm not sure if this is all true and people were just selling stories for a check because, Maybe he's just not my type, but I can't see John Goslin as like this big Lothario. Like I with eight children or whatever, I'm like, how is he getting all these women? I guess money, but still. But it was just not a good look. And um this, like I said, is all a bad look for John because it's that classic kind of like tale as old as time, urban legend of the father leaving his wife at home with the kids, and he's out gallivanting with younger women. And of course, the tabloids are all picking this up. And America is like, wow, you're so predictable. And you're just a horrible person. So after season five wraps, TLC pivots, and they launch Kate plus eight. And John is like, um, no, I want this show to end. And some people think it was ego, but I really think John kind of had an aha moment of like, no, we need this to end. This is fun, totally out of control. And there's still time for my kids to have a normal childhood. Like we need to, this is enough. We've made enough money. And Kate says that she did the show because it allows the kids opportunities f- that they normally wouldn't have which I get, like, okay, these kids got to go to Disney World, these kids got to go to Hawaii, and all this other stuff. I still think with them being in the public eye, I'm sure Disney would have flown them out. Disney would have given them a trip, because there's other families with um, sextuplets who they'll give them a trip or something because it's such a unique situation. So I don't really understand the opportunities that these kids received, like, I don't know, meeting celebrities? Like, I know they met the cake boss, Buddy Velastro, and all these other people. But I'm sorry, meeting celebrities, and this is coming from somebody who has gotten flack for liking celebrities too much. Just look at the reviews of Dining Board. Um, (laughs) Meeting celebrities will not enrich your life. Like it's fun and it's cool. But these kids, it's not an opportunity of a lifetime. It's it's just not. And that's from somebody who hosts a celebrity podcast. It's just these kids would have been fine without this show. So John says, no, this is my house. I'm not letting you film. He actually puts up a sign on the gate of his house saying, if anyone from TLC Productions comes to my house, you will be trespassing. So you're not allowed here. So TLC really has no choice and the cameras go down. But TLC is not going down without a fight. This is their cash cow. This is what is bringing in the most profit of any of these shows. And this is breach of contract. John has already agreed that he's going to continue to film. And TLC wants their money back and sues John for $5 million. And here's the kicker. Michael Lohan actually testifies in this case about the divorced dads club he's like well i know that uh john was already looking for other tv opportunities it's like michael can you please just see your way out like this is just he's so slimy but eventually they settle out of court meaning john probably didn't have to pay anything back or as much back but there are stipulations um, John has a gag order and he can't talk to the press for 10 years and he can't work on television for five years. So John goes back to IT and he's like, you should have seen these people's faces when I'd show up to fix their electronics. Like, like could you imagine your Wi-Fi is not working and the technician shows up and you open the door and it's John <laughs> Like, I like that would be the face crack of the century. <laughs> I like I would be I'd be like tell me everything John like I want all of the gossip but they soon enter a custody battle and Kate is fighting for full legal custody of the kids and she eventually gets it and John said he actually spent 1.7 million dollars in lawyers fees through this custody battle but TLC is actually paying Kate's fees Because Kate is the one who wants to continue the show. So TLC is like, okay, we'll support you through this because you're in our corner. So we'll be in your corner with the money. And John has money, but he doesn't have TLC money. Like this is, you're fighting against a really big Goliath here. And eventually Kate gets full legal custody, which means she can continue to have the children filmed, even if it's against John's wishes which is insane to me and that is exactly what Kate does. She can do whatever she wants and they launch Kate plus 8. And they're bringing these kids on all of these adventures. They go to Australia, meaning they're not spending that much time with John and They also kind of rebrand Kate's look. She doesn't have the Karen haircut anymore. She has, she's grown it out. She's gotten some extensions and she's even more glam than before. She's, like I said, always in high heels, which she was a couple of seasons ago. But, you know, you've got eight kids, you're chasing them around in these stilettos like she's really she's serving looks on TLC, like, girl, know your place. Um, But John is essentially out of the picture. And it's not long until Kate Plus 8 gets canceled, because it's not interesting. And Kate is still seen everywhere because she's like, I still need to strike when the iron is hot. And I also think like she's becoming a little addicted to the fame. Like, yes, the money is nice, but she still wants to be relevant. So she's on Dancing with the Stars, which was awful. And she was on Celebrity Wife Swap with none other than Kendra Wilkinson. Like she swaps houses with her. Um, And she was also on The Celebrity Apprentice with Donald Trump. So she's still trying to stay very, very relevant and in the public eye. And during this time, John is laying low. He's working as a server between gigs and He's still not looking great in the public eye because there are pictures that are leaked. And this is obnoxious. I'll never side with the paparazzi. They're horrible people, especially back then. But one woman like approaches on his land. I think she drives up his driveway and he comes out and he has a gun in his hand and he fires a warning shot to get the paparazzi off. So, of course, she has all these pictures of John Goslin approaching her with a gun and it just it looks really bad. So John actually goes on Oprah in 2013, because I think this is when that five years is up that he can make a television appearance. And he says that his kids are not like normal kids, because they grew up or, you know, quote unquote, normal kids, uh, because they grew up on reality television. He's like, they don't really know how to carry on a conversation. They have very questionable morals, he said. They don't really have manners. And he's like, because they grew up on camera, they had a very different childhood than what he had had growing up. So he's like, I worry about them. And very soon later, Kate goes on Good Morning America. It's not flat out said, but it's clearly the motive behind this appearance was to dispel what John said. And she goes on with Kara and Maddie to kind of have an interview to kind of show, look how well-adjusted these kids are. Look at how amazing they are. Being on reality television didn't affect them at all. And it honestly completely backfires because it turns into the most awkward interview I think I've ever seen. And I'll insert a clip right here. Good morning. Well, we have not seen you or gotten to talk to you two in a long, long time, and you're out because you want to let the world know that you're doing okay. Maddie, what, what would you want to say about how you and your sister and your family are doing? Um. Maddie, your words. Oh, it's,
1: it's your hard. It's a hard out.
0: question. Oh. What about you, Kara? So this is their chance to talk. This is the most wordless I've heard them all morning. Yeah. Um, I, I I, don't want to speak for them, but Maddie, go ahead. Um, sort of the things that you said in the magazine, that years later, they're good, they're fine. Go for it, Maddie. It's your chance. No, you just said it. Oh, I said it. Well, let me ask you this, girls. I mean, to go out and be in People magazine to say, hey, we're doing okay, why did you feel you needed to say that? Do you think people had the wrong impression of you guys, Kara? Kara. <laughs> <laughs> My gosh. What Kara y- yes is or thinking no? <laughs> Go for it. The interpreter. Oh, wait, wait. what? What is she thinking? Do people have the wrong impression of you? Oh
1: i wouldn't say wrong i would just say not like
0: the full like story so miraculously uh kate plus eight gets picked up again in 2015 and we see a much older crew you know sans john of course and it's really kate's the narrative of kate just out there doing it on her own and this is where we see colin growing up and he's definitely more separated by the group you can tell kate singles him out and there are more slights towards him than the other kids there's actually this really heartbreaking moment where he gives her this gift I mean it's for Mother's Day and it's of this mama bear with this little cub and she's holding this little cub and Kate opens it and she's like oh and he's like yeah it's it's supposed to be me and you and she's like uh well where's everybody else And it's like that's what you say, and of course, like I didn't grow up with eight kids, but I grew up one of four kids, and and I will say, like, if you grew up with a lot of siblings, the relationship between your parents, just the one-on-one relationship, is very, very sacred to you because you grew up with so many people around you, so you really value just that bond that you have individually because. I mean, all of my siblings, we were all like two years apart, just about. And I didn't really know what it was like to spend a full day with my parents, honestly, until I was in my 20s. That wasn't like running an errand or anything like that, which I still really cherished because it was just time with them alone. But I didn't know how that felt until I was in my 20s. And it was something that I still, to this day, really cherish just that one-on-one relationship you have with your parents. Because if you have a lot of siblings, You just didn't really get to experience that much growing up because there was just so many people. So I feel so bad for Colin because so clearly he wanted to have that moment just with Kate or just that sacred moment with her. And immediately she's like, well, where's everybody else? It's like, lady... What is your problem? So Colin starts to withdraw, and he doesn't film much. I mean, if he's sitting in confessional with the other boys, he's not talking. He's kind of staring off into space, and he's not really interacting with the camera. And he said by this time he did not want to film. He was just over it. And you have to remember, like, these kids – never chose to be on this show. So it's hard because, I mean, they're growing up and they can finally have minds of their own. And they're like, and he's like, I don't want to do this. So by the time the next season rolls around, Colin is just not there. There's only seven kids there and Kate addresses it. And she explains that Colin has, quote, special needs that she couldn't fulfill with the resources she had available which is interesting because she has a lot of money, so I'm sure she has plenty of resources. And she has sent Colin to live in a facility to treat his fluid diagnoses. So we don't know what special needs Colin has. We don't know if it's like bipolar, ADHD. We're not given anything, just a fluid diagnosis. So it's very, very gray. And I didn't watch this in real time, but when I watched a couple of episodes for research, I will say watching these episodes without Colin is so heartbreaking. I don't know how Kate decided to go with the show after this and multiple seasons after this because – You have a show called Kate Plus Eight, but you don't have all of your kids there, and you've essentially continued to film without one of them, and you have to address it, so you have to air out your child's issues to... I was going to say millions of viewers, but millions of people weren't watching this. But to many people watching this, and I really doubt he wanted that information out there. So if you were having those types of problems in your family, so much you felt the need to send your child to an institution, why would you continue filming? I, it's insane to me because you see these kids having fun and Colin isn't there. Like, what was the addiction to doing this show that quite frankly jumped the shark years ago? Why wouldn't you just pull it when you're clearly dealing with something so serious? It's just, it's honestly sick. And I'm not a mother, so I never want to be that annoying childless person who judges other people's parenting. But I know I just, I would never do this. Like, it's just... It's insane to me to continue with this show, knowing that something so serious like that is happening and that you're going to have to talk about it. So Kate said that Colin was sent away because she couldn't, quote, meet his needs. But Colin said he said that he was starting to tell his teachers about the alleged abuse from Kate and how he didn't want to film. And of course, that didn't fit Kate's agenda. So she dealt with that by sending him away. And if that's true, that is stomach churning. Like I, ugh, like I don't want to say that that's not true. I just have a hard time believing it because I can't wrap my mind around somebody doing that. I, it's insane, absolutely insane. And Colin is a twelve-year-old boy when he's sent away. And it just breaks my heart because obviously he's from a big family and you're sent away on your own at that age. And obviously I don't know what's going on and I'm sure there were some behavioral issues, but I can't think that this was the only option was to send him away to an institution. But Kate does not go to visit Colin. It's said that the time she goes to see Colin at the facility, it's called Fairmount, it's really only to re-sign papers. And after a few months after Colin is enrolled, John visits the kids at school to have lunch with them. And he notices Colin is missing. And he looks around and he's like, where's Colin? And the kids are just quiet. And he's like, where's Colin? And the kids won't say anything. So he goes to ask the guidance counselor, where's my son? And all she can say is he's not enrolled here. And John's like, "Okay, well, where is he? And the guidance counselor is like, I can't say. So he goes public with this and he says he doesn't know where Colin is and Kate will not tell him. And he says he hasn't seen Colin in a year and a half. And mind you, this is just a point I want to make because I, Kate is a monster. But also I want to reiterate, John, John isn't a saint in this situation because Colin has been gone for a couple of months at this point And he's saying he hasn't seen Colin in a year and a half. So... John really hasn't been seeing these kids that often. And, you know, he's been pursuing his dream of being a DJ. He has this long-term girlfriend on the side. So I think there was – he kind of got wrapped up in his own world. And I really don't think he could have been seeing those children nearly as much as he could have been. Because if he hasn't seen Colin in a year and a half – That is not because Colin has been sent away to the facility. It's because he just hasn't been seeing the kids very much. And don't get me wrong, I'm sure Kate was saying stuff. She's been accused of brainwashing and parent alienation. And I totally believe that that was going on. But I also think he really wasn't making that huge of an effort. I just have to say that from what I've been seeing. Anyway, I think John realizes that he really needs to kick it into high gear now because he needs to get his son back. And he's like, I I think I dropped the ball for a very long time and I need to make up for this. So John goes on a crusade to find Colin and John has no legal rights. So he truly cannot find Colin because Kate's not saying anything. Then in 2017, he finally gets a lead because he gets a heartbreaking letter from Colin written in crayon begging John to save him from this place. He's like, oh, it's so sad. He's like, you're my only hope. You're my savior. I still love you. Please, please get me out of here. And he leaves the address of the place on the piece of paper and the only way he was able to get that out is that his roommate was smuggled it out of the facility and mailed it to john it's so sad like it's it's literally written in crayon it and it sounds just so desperate and he's just in such a desperate situation and i just oh it's so so sad that this little boy was put into this situation So John finally has a lead and he's ready to get Colin out. But at this point, he's been transferred to another facility in Pittsburgh and Kate has still not gone to see him. I understand, yes, something must have went down. There must have been some behavioral issues, and if the behavior got so bad, I mean, but i if the behavior really was so bad that it need that he needed to go to an institution, I don't understand how for years you don't visit him, you don't call him, you don't write him, you don't video chat him, nothing. You know, like I said, even if something so bad went down that Colin needed to go to this facility, the fact that you would not even contact him is that is insane to me and that's completely just unforgivable i just and you leave all of these people in the dark including his dad but john finally has a lead like i said and he's ready to get colin out and hannah one of the six top she catches wind of this and the second she hears it she's like i want out i want out of kate's house she's done and she asks john to live with him and at first he's weary he's like can we even legally do this I don't want to be in contempt of court so John goes to court and files an emergency petition of custody for Hannah and eventually he wins and Kate appeals this twice and she loses so John officially has custody of one of the children and he's like I never thought that this would ever happen So, John goes to the facility in Pittsburgh and he sees Colin, who he hasn't seen in three years. And Colin is on all of these medications. He's got that thousand yard stare. He's a lot heavier than he had um, seen Colin because they've essentially just tranquilized him. And Colin himself has not seen a parent in a year and a half. John asks, actually, and John actually asks the doctors at the facility, why is Colin here? And they were like, We haven't really figured that out yet. And it's like, dude, it's been two years. It's been multiple years at this point of him in a facility and you haven't figured it out yet. Like what's going on? So John goes to court and he says he spends everything he has, he spends $1 million trying to get Colin out of this place and get custody of Colin. And he fights for it. Once he gets Colin out, he fights for custody in 2018. He's finally granted custody of Colin. And this was a much easier battle because Kate doesn't even show up to this hearing. Kate didn't even try to fight to keep custody of Colin. It's like, wow, it's I feel so bad for Colin. Like I said, whatever went down, I still feel so bad because you can't help but feel you were abandoned. And I just I really my heart goes out to him. So John officially has custody of two of the eights. And he said he really had to learn who they were because it was so long since he was a full time parent. Like I said, I don't think he was that involved in their lives and as much as he should have been, to be honest. And now he's. He's really stepped up to the plate to full time parent these kids. And in 2020, uh, TLC officially cuts ties with Kate. They, she wasn't filming Kate Plus Eight. She was filming, and I couldn't even watch this show, you guys. I'm like, I, I have to draw the line somewhere. It was called Kate Plus Date. And even in the spirit of journalism, I, I couldn't sit through an episode like I just I refuse. I'm sorry. <laughs> Please don't make me watch that. And they officially cut ties with her and she blames John for tarnishing her reputation. Like let's just admit, let's take some personal responsibility, just like Christian Audigé, that your show was bad and nobody wanted to watch it anymore. So. Colin, um, Colin has actually spoken out publicly that he has not spoken, spoken to any of his siblings since 2016, which is so devastating. And even after their high school graduation recently last year, Kate did not speak to him. She did not take photos with him. Nothing. Kate has always had some weird bone to pick with Colin because a few years ago, her journals actually got leaked which is crazy. And there's a book called How Kate Gosselin Fooled the World. And um, there's journal entries about Colin and how she talks about how she was, quote, too rough with him and how she spanked him so hard she thought it would leave a serious injury. And she actually writes a prayer in the journal praying that God would help her not be so quick to wrath with Colin. She's just always had something out for him. And she said, Colin purposely does things to defy me. And it, she just has such a hard time with it, which, which I'm sorry, you have young children. That's what young children do. They push boundaries. They purposely defy you. That's just what's going to happen. And I feel like with Kate, she's so rigid. And this, in the way Colin behaved, didn't fit into her perfect cookie cutter idea. And she just had such a hard time with him. She always had something out for him. I don't know what it is. And like I said, it's stomach turning. I just, no matter if Colin was difficult to deal with, you don't give up on your kid like that. It's just... It's it's so sad to see, you know, I try to share both perspectives here on the Diving Board podcast, and it's not all roses with Colin and John either, because in 2020, Colin and John get into a fight and they get into a full-blown brawl. Supposedly, John attacked Colin and put him in a headlock punched him, kicked him, and Colin posts on Instagram, my dad is a liar. Yesterday he beat me up and thought nothing of it. He punched me in the face and gave me a swollen nose, and I started bleeding. He then continued to kick me in the ribs after I was on the floor. He is a liar. But the next day, Colin deletes that off Instagram, and John's crisis management goes public and says Colin has been through a lot and he's basically telling a tall tale. I've also heard a story that Colin got angry and he threw something at his dad's car and dented it and John restrained him from being violent. So maybe Colin interpreted that as a fight. I don't know. It sounds kind of a lot, but Kate opened up an investigation about John's abuse, but none of that went anywhere. This is the thing that's also hard with these kids. Like John and Kate never miss a chance to go after each other in the press. And I know it's, they hate each other. They can't co-parent, they've never even tried. They absolutely despise each other, but there is going to come a time where their kids are all going to read this stuff. And that time may have already come. So that's another really upsetting factor of this is that you're airing a lot of your family stuff to the press and it's just not a really good dynamic. So there is more to the story with John and Colin and all of that. I will be the first to acknowledge we are receiving one side of the story here. We are receiving John's side of the story. Do I think Kate Gosselin is a monster? absolutely but i will acknowledge that we only know john's account and i've said before john has a tendency to change his story so and going on that note of john being very public about them john goes public again about kate in 2022 because He doesn't keep anything private and says that Kate was actually stealing money from Hannah and Colin, which is very suspect because those are the only two kids that she doesn't have custody of. So John claims that Kate has stolen $100,000 from the kids. He's stolen them from their um, trust funds, $50,000 each. So Kate says she didn't steal it. She just simply borrowed it. We've all heard that one before. And she actually did a court filing in 2019 explaining why she was taking money out of the trust. And it was to, quote, "it meet her and the children's expenses. But in the same year that she took that money out, she sold their million dollar home in Pennsylvania and bought a $750,000 home in North Carolina, So the math ain't mathin. Something's not adding up. But in the court filing, she actually claims that her eight children actually owe her money because she paid for their private school tuition out of her pocket. Kate, they do not owe you money. You decided to send them to private school. There is no reason why your kids couldn't go to public school they do not owe you that money for that tuition. And she says, technically, their trust funds owe her $387,000. Again, the kids don't owe you anything. You sent them to private school. They had no choice in that matter. That is crazy to me. But that is Kate Gosselin. So recently, Colin has actually been very vocal. He actually got into a really bad car accident in 2021 where his car flipped because he fell asleep at the wheel. And if you look at the car, it's really bad. It was a really bad accident. But even after this accident, it still did not prompt the siblings to reach out to him. And it's just absolutely crazy to me because it's been 10 years since John Gosselin has heard from Kara and Maddie. He hasn't heard from any of the other sextuplets since, I believe, 2017. Do I think there's more to the story? Yes, I do. But it's just so crazy to me that even as adults, these kids don't want anything to do with John. And again, there's, like I said, I'm sure Kate did her fair amount of brainwashing and badmouthing him, but even as adults, they don't want anything to do with him, which it's there's, there's more to this story. So after Colin goes public with his story, a lot of people are outraged. They feel bad for Colin. They can't believe that the siblings aren't speaking to him. They can't believe what Kate did. So a lot of people, not only just go after Kate, they go after the Gosselin children. And Maddie Gosselin, especially, she responds about all of the hate mail that she's getting. And she's like, you know what, I keep getting all of this hate mail. So I feel the need to share my side of the story in this entire situation. So last year in 2023, she releases a statement on Instagram. And this is what she says. I never wanted to have to speak up about this in order to allow my brother the ability to live privately after the conclusion of our family TV show, but I've been overwhelmed by hate messages in the last few days and I feel I must set the record straight. I do not owe my allegiance to any person who has physically threatened me and every member of my immediate family. Some incidents happening as recent as last year. Further, I will never allow someone who has exhibited hateful and even violent behavior towards others based on their racial identity, gender identity, or religious beliefs to be in my life. Kindness, tolerance, love, and acceptance are core values in my life, and I refuse to compromise them for anyone, even my brother Colin, who has unfortunately made his opinions very clear in private. For me, there is no further conversation to be had about rebuilding relationships with anyone in my life after reaching the point of physical violence and hate speech. I cannot speak any further on why Colin has done these things, just that I have witnessed them. I've had hundreds of people messaging my private accounts with the most hurtful words you can imagine in the last few days, all without knowing the full truth of what we've been through. I'm asking for peace and privacy and no more hate mail going forward." So obviously, the bones of that message we agree with, because we have a culture of love, tolerance, and acceptance here on The Diving Board Podcast. But does that apply to Colin? Was Colin being hateful? Was Colin having all of these kind of hate speech and all of these really extremist opinions? I don't know. We don't know. This is, again, what Maddie is responding to. It's so hard to say. So John claps back immediately against Maddie, who he hasn't spoken to in nearly a decade, saying, how would you know you haven't even spoken to Colin since he was in the sixth grade? You haven't spoken to him since he was 12 years old, which I'm not sure if that's true, because she said that this has been happening as early or as recent as the last year. So who knows what's going on? I don't know. The only thing I do know is that I feel so bad that these kids are pulled into the public light and Maddie feels the need that she has to air out her brother and make a public statement about her brother because they've been thrust into the public eye. Like I cannot imagine how that would feel because that you would feel the need that your father's talking in the press and your family's talking in the press. So you have to respond because you're getting so much hate mail. I, I mean, don't get me wrong, no family's perfect. There have been times in my family where I'm not talking to one of my siblings or we're not getting along, but I would never – ever want to air that out to the entire world. Like that would kill me if I felt the need to have to do that. And that's the thing with these kids. They never had a shot in hell to even have a personal life or have a private life because they were thrust in the spotlight by their press loving family, their fame loving family. And I understand John wanted to pull them at at a certain time and stop filming, but the damage had kind of already been done at that point because People became obsessed with this family, and these kids still to this day are being scrutinized in the public eye. So I feel really bad for all of the kids involved. And that's why I'm saying that there's more to the story with John Goslin because John Goslin is the one who goes to the press a lot. And when you only hear one story, you tend to believe that story because that's the one that you hear. But the other members of the Goslin family aren't going to the press and aren't leaking these stories about their family. So do I think there's more? Yes. I mean, even exhibit A, I understand you want to defend Colin and you want to defend your son. And I give John a lot of credit for stepping up for Colin. Absolutely. I will give him that a a million times over. But the fact that this is still your daughter, Maddie, and you go and you kind of blast her in the press after she sends out this message. It's That's why I'm like, no wonder she really doesn't speak to you. It just needs to be handled in private. All of this needs to be handled in private. But somebody who also is not private is is Kate Gosselin. And she comes with her statement, which she released July 21st, 2023 on Instagram. She says, I have never wanted to do this, but I feel I have been backed into a corner and left with no choice. Although it saddens me to do so, I need to speak out now. My son Colin, who I'm love with all my heart, has received multiple psychiatric diagnoses over the years. For the safety of myself, his brothers and sisters, and his own well-being, he was placed in a facility following years of outpatient treatment, which provided insufficient for his needs. The decision to admit him was made by emergency room doctors following one of his many attacks outbursts, this one involving his use of a weapon. Fast forward to present day and following John's removal of Colin from treatment, my son's unpredictable and violent behaviors have sadly continued regularly towards John, Hannah, and others around him. Colin's distorted perception of reality is one of the many issues that he always struggled with. As many people who have family members grappling with mental health issues can attest, it is rarely and sadly surprising when complete fabrications occur, and it's just another heartbreaking facet of this fight. All parent-child relationships are complex, but when mental illness is involved, it is incredibly complicated and painful, and certainly not easy for others on the outside to understand. All measures that were taken in our house were at the explicit recommendation of his pediatric psychiatrist and or his team of specialists, and were put into place to safeguard every member of our family, our friends, as well as our family pets. Unfortunately, I believe Colin remains a very troubled young man who continues to need a lot of help. His brothers and sisters and I have not been directly involved in his life to his history of unpredictable behavior and violent tendencies towards us. What his sister Maddie posted on social media recently is completely accurate and I deeply appreciate her bravery in doing so. So here's the thing about this message. I understand something went down with Colin, and it seems like Colin has some mental health issues and possibly some violent tendencies. I am not a mental health professional by any means, but I understand if there was, I'll give her the benefit of the doubt, a need to send him to a facility completely abandoning him. I don't know. Again, I'm not a mental health professional. professional. But I just feel like that was very extreme. Even to this day, when he was at his high school graduation, she didn't even go up to him and congratulate him, hug him, nothing. And that just seems to me like what, what could have gone down? I mean, even people in prison, they visit family members visit them. So that just doesn't make sense to me. And, you know, Kate says that Uh, Colin has a distorted perception of reality, and these are fabrications, but when Colin came out and said that John had abused him in 2020, Kate went on a full-blown rampage and said, I will not let this die, we need to investigate this, we need to investigate this, and didn't say that Colin was fabricating that story, but when it was against John, it was completely true, but now he fabricates things against his family, according to Kate, so that doesn't really add up to me either. I mean, I don't will I don't know if we'll ever know the full side of this story because we are not flies on the walls of the Goslin household. Which, quite frankly, I think is a blessing, but <laughs> like, it just there seems to be a lot of it. And like I'm saying, I don't think we'll know the full story. And part of me hopes we never know the full story. I mean, obviously, I would love to know what's happening, but when I really look back and realize these are actual people, I really think they need to stay out of the press. I think the only people they are hurting are their children, who clearly want to live normal healthy lives that are not in the public eye because they never chose to do so Kate and John chose to do so so that's the hard part like I said I think there's a lot of holes in the story I think Kate Gosselin is like I said not a good person and I feel so bad for these children and um, she she really dropped the ball in a big way when it came to Colin and i really hope i wish him i wish him well because even when she released that statement Obviously, John refuted it. John's longtime girlfriend, I don't think they're dating anymore, They she refuted it. And Colin was in basic training at the time for the Marines. So my brother's a former Marine. When you're in basic training, you have no access to the outside world. So Colin didn't know that all of this was being said about him. So again, how is that mending a familial relationship when you are talking about him when he has no way to respond? So that is... Um, makes my skin crawl. Like I said, I don't think John is a saint, but I do think he stepped up for Colin. And I hope that Colin, if he has these mental health issues, he continues to get the help that he needs because he deserves it. So that's kind of where we're at in present day. It was as recent as a few months ago. So that's kind of where we're at. Kate has since relocated to North Carolina. She's downsized into a house which is about 3,000 square feet. So it's downsizing from the 7,000 square foot home they had in Pennsylvania. Kate, they're saying, is she doesn't want to go to work. She wants to keep up this luxury lifestyle. But those are kind of tabloid headlines. I did read that she got her nurse's license active in North Carolina, with which... which any of my divers in North Carolina, my North Carolinian divers, please we'll find out if Kate becomes a nurse and then we can just avoid that place. Because could you imagine if you were in the hospital ailing and your nurse walks in and it's Kate Gosselin, I would be like, pull the plug, pull the plug. I'm good. I've lived a long enough life. So, um, You know, that's kind of what's going on with Kate. John is kind of doing his thing. He's DJing he's um, working in IT, and he's just holding it down. So I really hope they stay out of the press. They kind of live a little more private lives for the sake of their children. And I wish all of the Gosselin children well. It seems like they're in college. Maddie and Kara have graduated college. The six triplets are in college. Colin was trying to get into the Marines. I'm not sure if he's completely in the Marines. Um, that kind of fell through. So wh- wherever he's at, I really wish him well. We wish them all well. Like I said, they kind of started life behind the eight ball and didn't really have a shot in hell of having a normal kind of private life. So I hope that they get that as an adult and they fulfill any goal that they want to. I really, really wish the Goslin family well. And like I said, the only time when you're the only people who it hurts when john and kate go after each other in the press are the children so i'm hoping that perhaps we turn a new tide as all of the goslin children are adults now so we'll see and i think we'll see a lot with what these family vloggers and what these family shows when these kids grow up, what's going to happen? And Colin has said that the show ruined his family and that fame and money ruined his family. That's the thing, not everybody on a family show has a ruined family. You look at the Roloff family, a little people, big world. They're pretty well adjusted. And Matt and Amy Roloff, they did get divorced. And it wasn't a complete media circus like John and Kate Plus 8. So I think a lot of times with fame and fortune, it exasperates tendencies that may have already been there. And I think that was the situation with John and Kate. But Wish them well, wish the children well, and we'll see in the future what will happen with these children. I mean, I hope for the children's sake and all of these shows that they're healthy and well-adjusted and being taken care of, but I think this is a cautionary tale with those situations. So like I said, I wish all the children well. I know I keep saying that, but I think they need all of the well wishes they can get with, um, this family. So Godspeed to the Goslin family, but thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this trip down memory lane. I know there was a lot of twists and turns. This was a bumpy ride. So thank you for sticking with me. Very, very interesting story of just reality television pioneers and, what all comes with it? So if you enjoyed this, I would so appreciate if you rated me five stars wherever you're listening to this podcast. Um, I would so appreciate if you followed the podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Doing so, you will find out about the podcast before everybody else. Also, we would love to have you over on Instagram. Join our Instagram family at Diving Board Pod. Of course, that is B-O-R-E-D. Would love to have you over there. But in the meantime, thank you all so, so much. I'm looking forward to to many more pop culture deep dives to come. But until then, take care, everyone.